Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast, where of course every yard counts. Great show in front of us here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Going to have a lot of fun. Week 7 preview show here with myself. I am your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Back in the driver's seat once more. We're joined by just Sean today. Lawrence is on IR uh, for today's podcast. He's got a croakier throat than Krusty the Clown. Uh, but what can you do? But me and Sean, uh, we'll, 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 we'll take good care of you. We'll take you through all of week seven. We'll give you some updates as well. And uh, we're going to put Sean in the hot seat. Because he's, he's not actually done their full 10 questions yet. So decided to, to give him a shout. Sean, welcome you in. Um, we'll get on to, obviously, what, what's going on at the full 10 yards shortly. But uh, I know you're working on uh, an XFL piece. I am indeed. Uh, did a bit of a preview and review, if you like, of what was the XFL um, back in the day. Um, so that landed on the site a few weeks back. We'll probably get that reposted. Yep. Uh, but the XFL draft of 2020, if you like, is now in the book. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. There'll be some content winging your way shortly because um, we will get some football during the off-season next year, which is something to look forward to. Absolutely. And let's uh, let's kick off the podcast then, Sean. First and ten. Uh, we're gonna look, we're gonna give you a full ten yards update. First down. Yes, indeed. First down. Then yes, like I say, full ten yards update. Loads of stuff as always going on in the world of the full ten yards. First off, Freddie Kitchens was the winner of our poll from Monday's podcast. Uh, the most disappointing head coach in their first year with a team uh, this season uh, by quite some way as well, Sean. Yeah, not surprising. We we kind of discussed it on the pod. I think he, he absolutely probably is the standout candidate from that list there in terms of the level of expectation that was there. John Dorsey did his mid-season press conference yesterday with the Browns on the bye week. It sounds very much as though everybody is still behind him and fingers crossed he can get it turned around. He's certainly got the talent there. But uh, as we discussed last week, all those head coaches looking for improvement in the second half of the season, I would suggest. Yeah, I think it's worth disclosing as well, Sean, isn't it? That uh, prior to doing that segment, we all kind of we all chose Freddie Kitchens, didn't we? And uh, two of us had to had to pivot. We did indeed. Would have been much of a debate for no. all three of us to agree. So, <laughs> little insider information there, yeah. mate. Yeah, you've given away the secrets. Peel back, peel back that curtain. Um, yes, absolutely. But so that, that's obviously not all, just all that's going on at full 10 yards. Obviously, we have loads of articles, whether all facets of American football, whether you like fantasy football, whether you like college. Uh, Lee and the boys certainly doing a lot of good work over there in college land. Uh, but start sits, trade targets for fantasy football fans out there. Go and give that a look. Uh, yeah, plenty of good stuff on there. And as well, a, a bonus article coming soon, uh, you know, the next two day, the day or two from Chris Todd about a possible what, what a shake-up of the regular season would look like. So, yeah, um, that one's been under wraps for, for a little while, but I'm going to post that up this weekend. So kind of hypothesising what it would, it would be like to have a, uh, a different kind of regular season, what that could potentially look like. So, um, and also, I don't, know if, I don't know if you saw, Sean, about uh, one of Lee's posts about picking uh, two players to start a franchise with. Did you see that post on uh, social media? I did, yeah. Um, I always like these kind of posts. It gets some debate going. Mm. Um, I completely 100% agreed with what Lee put. Yeah. Um, he chose Deshaun Watson as the quarterback from the options that were there, um, who, for my money, despite Baker Mayfield being one of the selections, I think Deshaun Watson is a little more tried and tested and certainly he's producing at a much higher level currently. Yeah. So certainly can't disagree with that selection. Uh, and then, you know, I have a massive man crush when it comes to Miles Garrett. Obviously helps that he plays for my team. But I think he's potentially the premier defensive end in the league over the next few years. 
tied for the lead in sacks currently um, and, and looks like an absolute beast, which everyone thought he would be coming out of college. So can't disagree with these selections, but certainly always good to see what other people's thoughts and opinions are. Yeah, absolutely. For those that don't see it, go and, go and check it out at full 10 yards. The two players uh, were from the list of Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Calvin Kamara, Juju Smith-Schuster, Miles Garrett and Jalen Ramsey as well. So uh, anyone out there that's not seen this week, go and give it a reply. Go and see which, what two players that you'd pick from that list to to start a franchise with and say, yeah, Lee got more more bites than a professional fisherman, fisherman didn't he? So, um, yeah, always good, to, always good to even start that conversation. So, yeah, fair play to him. But I think that pretty much wraps us up uh, for, for, for first down. So let's move on to your NFL updates in second down. Second down. Okay, yeah, so just some NFL updates to bring you all up to speed with. Obviously, Monday Night Football, since we last spoke, took place. Uh, Packers in the Li- and the Lions in a controversial one as well, the Lions fans. Uh, and pretty much everyone but Packers fans uh, kind of not quite understanding how the uh, Lions lost that one. But, uh, yeah, in, in conjunction with the referees' uh, bad face, you know, they've, they've kind of forgotten what the uh, hands-to-the-face penalty call uh, kind of is as well, kind of gifting the Packers a win there. Lots of conspiracy theories and all the rest of it. Uh, and to be fair, I'd say all, all the uh, cases that have been brought forward and all the scenarios that have been brought up, um, if, I, think, I think it's quite fair to say, Sean, that the Lions uh, have not had the rubber of the green in, in recent years. No, they certainly haven't. They seem to be on the wrong end of officiating calls on a regular basis, like you say. Um, I didn't watch an awful lot of the game, but as you say, couldn't really miss all the controversy that surrounded it. Uh, I think it probably leads to a wider point, which you know potentially we might do a piece on further down the line. It, it's surely only a matter of time before one of two things happens, and that will either be that the Sky Cam, if you like, the Sky official that was trialled within the AWF potentially will come to the NFL to just overturn the howlers. No need for a challenge flag, just a, a simple message down. Look, guys, you've got that one wrong on the field. We need to get it corrected. I think that's the pragmatic way forward. The other option, which will be horrendous, is, is challenging, you know, making every play challengeable, um, which I just think could be an absolute catastrophe. So I think common sense will ultimately prevail. But like you say, rough one for the Lions to swallow. On a positive note for them, though, still looking like a very good and competitive football team, which you know not everybody would have predicted at the start of the season. So still plenty of encouragement there for Lions fans. And obviously for the Packers, they continue to roll. We mentioned Matt LaFleur on Monday. He's now 5-1 and one, um, and really got that uh, team turned around in a short space of time. So, um, yeah. Good game, good good things potentially for both of those franchises on the horizon. Mm. You, you reminded, reminded me there of old Bruce Forsyth. Good game, good game. <laughs> <laughs> didn't he do well? Uh, referees didn't. Um, but yeah, talking to referees, we'll, we'll have to get Roger, we'll get Roger on uh, in the next week or so to kind of maybe not explain himself because it's not really up to him. But um, yeah, maybe he can shed some light on on what's been going down in Zebra Town. Um, but yeah, so keep your eyes eyes peeled for that. But uh, lots of news actually this week in terms of NFL. The, the uh, LA Rams have been busy, haven't they? Uh, firstly, trading away Marcus Peters to the Ravens, and it's and you know quite quite shortly after that, um, you know, giving up two first round picks next year in 2021, uh, and a fourth round pick next year in 20 was it 2021 as well? I think that one. Uh, I know that was 2024, wasn't it? Uh, for Jalen Ramsey, obviously uh, bad back and all, Jalen Ramsey. Um, Going over to the Rams, obviously, the Akib Talib going on IR has not helped either. Uh, so they're very short at corner. Quite a lot of criticism for the Rams in, you know, considering the holes that they've got in that team on, on both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, maybe not giving up your two first round picks. 
Um, and I saw some of them saying in our group chat, Sean, weren't they, that uh, they've not had a first round pick since 2017 and they're not going to have one now till 2022 or 2023 or something. They're certainly gambling the future. There's no doubt about that. I suppose ultimately, you know, I'm very much in the win now camp. I know a lot of people think about building for the future and, and trying to create a dynasty. You know, I've been a fan of the NFL for a number of years and there's only ever been one dynasty. It's still going on and that's obviously up in New England. For everybody else, it's can you get a win on the board now? And when I say a win on the board, that's obviously that Super Bowl ring. If it works, nobody will care if they don't have a first-round pick until, you know, 2033, let alone 2023. Uh, he's obviously an upgrade. Um, I'm interested by his quote of bringing his swag to LA. Yeah, he looked like a man too that would bring some swag with him. So if you, if you were on the on the trade block, what swag would you be taking? With you? <laughs> That's a great question. That might be one for Twitter as well. Uh, what swag would I bring? Well, I'd bring my uh, my pun belt. You know, belt full, just loaded full of full of guns and uh, full of puns. Um, and then yeah, well, I'd, I'd probably want some of that uh, miracle cure that uh, Jalen Ramsey might seem to to find this week. Uh, that would be some good swag. Uh, I, I suppose, but uh, yeah, um, I don't really consider myself as a, sw- a person with a lot of swag. I know I, I, I took a good game uh, to, to to steal another Bruce Forsyth uh, kind of quote, I suppose. But uh, yeah, not not much swag. I'm afraid I'm 34, going on 54. So uh, yeah, quite low in the in the in the swag bank. Doing yourself a misjustice there, Paul. <laughs> in terms of that pun, in terms of that pun belt, I think our regular partner on here would uh, would certainly challenge you for that. Lawrence that's, loves a pun, so maybe we should have a pun off on one of these podcasts. A pun off, yeah, maybe, maybe we have to, yeah, I have to get my thinking brain on for for that one and uh, prep that. Prep, we have like a, a pun battle, you know, like they have. Uh, what's the um, what? Do, what is the rap? It's rap battle, isn't it? Yeah, like on whatever they do, but yeah. Until that point, uh, we won't we won't uh, we won't sink that ship anytime soon. But uh, a couple of other bits of news to get to: the New England Patriots. Uh, ben Watson's been re-signed by the Patriots. Not quite sure what uh, kind of impact he'll have. He's certainly no Gronkowski, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see. But obviously, he was released and was paid a bit of money before he was released, actually, as well. So um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled on that. One. I'm not quite sure what uh, Ben Watson uh, will perhaps do on the field for the Patriots. He's uh, obviously towards the back end of his career if he's not already in the in the clubhouse to be quite honest but uh, another bit of Pat's news Michael Bennett was suspended I think it's just for the one game uh, for what can only be described as detrimental conduct uh, I think it's an internal thing from the Patriots so a bit of an interesting he came out immediately and apologised so I'm not, I haven't really read up too much about it so I'm not quite sure uh, what's going on there with Michael Bennett but obviously a big big loss there uh, for the Patriots uh, a couple of uh, quarterback new bits of news Brock Osweiler retires after seven illustrious seasons in the NFL, um, God bless you, mate. God bless you. We'll, be, we'll see you. We'll see you in the XFL maybe next next year or something. I don't know. Um, there'll be a couple of starters that have been benched. Ryan Tannehill has been named the starter for Tennessee, and apparently Mariota will learn and grow from the benching. I'm not quite sure what's going to be learning and what's going to be growing there, but we shall see. As we like to call him, uh, someone called him the Hawaiian Mark Sanchez, which I thought was absolutely, uh, absolutely <laughs> class. Love it. Um, we'll try and make that one stick. Uh, obviously, known known in these parts, but as Mr. Wet 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 himself, um, yeah, donned that last year. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick over in Miami uh, will be the starter for the Miami Dolphins versus the Bills. Uh, probably being thrown to the Wolves there. Luckily, I've got the Bills uh, defense in a couple of leagues, so I'm happy about that uh, kind of assignment. So we sh- <laughs> we shall see. Uh, and then finally, uh, talking of Dolphins, they've engaged with other teams in trade in Kenyon Drake trade deals. So uh, yeah, by the time this podcast has come out, uh, I'll keep my eyes on NFL.com, but no trade deal as of yet. Uh, any bits of news or any notes from you, Sean at all? 
And just a couple of points just on those things that you've mentioned there. I think in terms of the Dolphins, you know, if they trade away any more players, I think Roger <laughs> Goodell came out this week and said he sees no evidence of tanking in the league. Yeah. Um, I think if a team manages to trade away half of its roster, surely that's got to be as obvious as it possibly can be. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Just in terms of the, the quarterback situation, I absolutely fully support the Ryan Tannehill one. I think, you know, he's he's a he's a capable quarterback. Hmm. Um and Marriott has been well, distinctly average for a long time. I'm not sure Tannehill's gonna be the long term answer, but he can't be any worse. And I think hmm. a kick up the backside as much as anything is what Marriott possibly needs. So I agree with that move. Hmm. Completely disagree with the Fitzpatrick move. And this was the sort of fear I had with last week that he comes in, does what he does, throws a few nice passes, gets the offense moving. But at some point, you just know that he's going to revert to type. Um, like you say, if I was Josh Rosen, that might actually be a blessing in disguise to sit on the bench this week. I would imagine that Bills defence is licking its lips in anticipation. Mm. Um, so, like you say, plenty of news. Trade deadline in a couple of weeks' time, totting up. There's more rumours swirling. So, like you say, keep your eyes peeled to, mm. to our site as well as uh, the NFL.com page, obviously. And we'll keep your eyes sweet. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it's funny how these some of these uh, these quarterback rooms have been kind of handled. To say Fitzpatrick one's a bit is a bit random. Uh, say Josh Rosen, yeah, probably will be happy. But I'll also put in the uh, full ten look ahead, which is um, which should be out by the time you are listening to this podcast. Um, that Ryan Tannehill is actually probably an upgrade on Marcus Mariota, which probably says all you need to know. To be quite honest, uh, Tannehill was serviceable when he was on the field um, over in Miami with Adam Gase and, and all the rest of it as well. And um, stats are probably comparable uh, as well. So yeah, maybe change changes. Uh, Changes what is needed over there in Nashville, but we shall wait and see. But Sean, I've got a question for you. How much did you? Uh, I know you, you did a lot of uh, week six watching and a, you know, a lot of week six uh, article wise for for the takeaways and all the rest of it. But um, are you ready to go? Are you ready to go for the full ten questions? We're about to find out. I usually do pretty well, but the pressure's on, so no doubt I will crumble. But we will wait and see. Okay, let's uh, roll up the music then, lads. Let's uh, let's get the full ten questions in. Okay, obviously, Sean, don't need to be telling you the rules. You are an avid player week to week. So we'll get straight into it, Sean. Uh, week six, ten questions. Uh, play along at home. Get your pens and papers out, as we like to say. Uh, Sean, I'm just going to go straight in and uh, lead you in on three, two, and one. Question one. In Thursday Night Football, who is the only offensive player to score a touchdown for the New York Giants? Golden Tate. Question two, how many points were there in the London game between the Buccaneers and the Panthers? Ooh, 37-20... 61. Okay, question three, name any of the three games that were decided by one point in week six. Ooh, um, Monday Night Football, Lions-Packers. Question four, name the only touchdown scorer in the New Orleans Saints-Jacksonville Jaguars game. Oh, that one's got me. Um, I don't think it was a rushing school, so I'm going to go for a receiver. I'm going to go for... Uh, let's go Jared Cook. Question five. Which player had the most passing yards in the Kansas City-Houston game, Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson. Question six. Which team were shut out in week six? Tennessee. Question seven. Which player recorded the longest touchdown after a 92-yarder? 
Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Question eight: Which team won Sunday night football? Jesus. <laughs> the Steelers. Question nine: How many field goals did Detroit kicker Matt Prater make versus the Packers? So as I said earlier, I didn't watch the game. I know the score, and it was twenty-one. So did he score all of them as field goals, possibly? Um, no, surely not. Let's go for two. Okay, and question 10. Within 10 yards, how many rushing yards did Lamar Jackson rush for versus the Bengals? Uh, 152. There you go, stop the clock. Uh, (laughs) Now that last question. Right, okay, two minutes and three was your time. Let's go through these. In 39 football, Golden Tate was the only offensive player for the Giants, correct? Uh, London game was 63 points. It was 37 to 26. Uh, so just the two out there, I am afraid. Um, name the three games decided by one point. Of course, Packers-Lions, uh, Atlanta versus Arizona, and Redskins-Dolphins was the other. Jared Cook was the only touchdown scorer in the New Orleans Saints game. Uh, lovely touchdown that one was as well. Uh, Deshaun Watson did have more passing yards than Patrick Mahomes. I think it was by about six or seven. It was quite close, actually. Uh, both around the 320 mark as well, if I remember correctly. Which uh, team in, was shut out in week six? Of course, Tennessee Titans. That's why Tannehill is now at quarterback. Uh, Robbie Anderson, of course, the 92-yard reception touchdown uh, from Sam Darnold was the uh, longest touchdown in Week 6 and uh, of the season so far as well. So, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers get the job done over the LA Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Matt Prater uh, hit five field goals against uh, the Packers. It was five field goals and one touchdown. It was 22-23, so you had the right thinking, just didn't get the right amount of points. Um, and then question 10 within how many rushing yards yeah 152 you've obviously seen that stat and got it ingrained into your brain so uh, yeah 8 out of 10 2 minutes 3 seconds not bad Chip off with that mate pressure was on so I will happily take that I was also worried about getting the perfect 10 to be accused of cheating so 8 out of 10 is more than reasonable yeah we we, we hit that we made that subtly Uh, sure made it subtle made it subtle Uh, but there we go Okay, hope you did just as well uh, at listening at home or wherever you are on the commute. Um, but it's time now to get into the meat, meat of the podcast. It's fourth down and time to go through all of week seven's games. Fourth down. So, fourth down is for all the week seven's games. Uh, just the four teams on the bye this week. Cleveland Browns, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, Carolina Panthers. Obviously, both of those teams are coming back from London. And the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. Mason Rudolph getting another week to get healthy. But let's start with tonight's game. Thursday night preview. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, Denver Broncos, AFC West. Sean, what are we looking for? Uh, we're looking to see if the blueprint has indeed been set. We talked about this Monday. Um, recent weeks, it's been a case of keep my arms off the field and run the ball. Broncos will look to do that with Philip Lindsay. Uh, another decent performance from him last week. 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. Ironically averaged 4.7 yards per carry on the game, which is also his season average. So he is coming into some nice form. And the Kansas City defence, as we know, cannot stop that run game. 29th against the run. They're giving up over five yards a pop. So expect Lindsay to be the focal point for those Broncos this evening. Uh, the Chiefs, as we've alluded to in the last two weeks, have given up 132 yards on the ground to Marlon Mack and 116 yards to Carlos Hyde. Two running backs who, yes, are both decent. You wouldn't really class either of them, though, as superstars. So expect Philip Lindsay to do a nice job tonight. The Chiefs' offence, we talked about the time of possession on Monday. They've, 
They've only possessed the ball for 41 minutes in the last two games combined, which is unreal when you consider their opponents have, have, have had the ball for nearly that long in the games against them. Uh, however, that offence is still clicking when indeed on the field. Fifth in points at the moment, 28.7 per game. Third in yards, 422. So it's not a problem with the offence. It's just they can't get it out there regular enough. The Denver defence is pretty decent against the pass, averaging 5.6 yards per attempt against them, which is good for seventh best in the NFL. Being a Thursday night game, I believe it's the trend this year. I think they're all divisional games. I could be wrong on that, but this one is certainly a divisional game. And that will mean that the Chiefs have the opportunity to pull two games clear of the Raiders. Broncos obviously looking to keep pace. A loss here would drop them three games behind the Chiefs and effectively would probably lose them any hope of any progression towards the postseason. So obviously big for them. Probably the bigger implications here when it comes to playoffs are the Kansas City first round bye that we talked about on Monday. Patriots look pretty set for one of those in the AFC. So there's a real battle for the second one. And obviously the Chiefs will look to get a leg up tonight. I'll leave most of the betting for you and Adam on a Saturday. But as this is Thursday, if anyone's looking for a bet, I've done a little bit of a look. Surprisingly, the handicap is only the Chiefs minus three, which yeah, I was a little surprised. bit surprised yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, that just shows the sort of you know the way the last couple of weeks have gone, and all of a sudden there's a little bit of doubt. For me, minus three is very very attractive. I think the Chiefs are still more than good enough to handle this Broncos team. The money line, Kansas City eight to thirteen, Denver eleven to eight. That was with Betfair. And in terms of touchdowns, any time Philip Lindsay, as we mentioned, probably a fairly decent bet. Just a shade of odds on ten to eleven. Tyreek Hill, the main man for the Chiefs, back last week. He's 11-10 to 10 tonight to find the end zone. The value bet for me is possibly McCall Hardman at around about 4 or 5-1. to one. Like I said, those are all through Betfair. Uh, I would predict a, a Chiefs win here. I would reckon it's going to be in the line of about 24-14. to 14. Um, So hopefully that will get the Chiefs off that two-game skid and back uh, in the win column. Mm. Yeah, interesting one, isn't it? Um, yeah, especially on a short week, Denver is not a place you really want to be going to. Obviously, Kansas City know all about uh, Denver, obviously, being in the same division. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, uh, if Mahomes and, and the boys can uh, can stop the slide. Obviously, no, let's say no Watkins either, uh, but Tyreek Hill is back, so it shouldn't be too bad as well. Uh, but yeah, Tyreek Hill, not, notoriously not really had uh, many good games recently uh, against the Denver Broncos. He's been held to held to no, like no touchdowns and very limited yardage as well. So it'd be interesting to see if that can uh, that buck can be tr- uh, that trend can be bucked. Um, yeah, okay, let's move on to the Sunday games in Dolphins uh, at the Bills. Oh my God! What a game this is going to be. Um, when we where'd you start? Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's obviously at, 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 he's he's back for his three hundred and seventh career game, as uh, Lawrence said to me uh, earlier today. But uh, this time as a Dolphins player, Buffalo's Bills, one of the mo- most impressive teams uh, of the, of the season so far, especially on defense. That that secondary is uh, it was one of the stellar units of of the National Football League, uh, and I'm not quite sure where I can where the points are going to be coming from in terms of Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think they only scored there the. The, the the first second half points last week uh, against the Washington Redskins so that's quite a stat as well but uh, yeah not many people kind of taking the Bills uh, seriously so I'm the, this this game is not going to uh, kind of change anyone's minds but uh, Josh Allen uh, should have a good day should uh, so as should uh, John Brown who's kind of back in the trend as well in terms of uh, having a safe floor uh, for fantasy he um, he's been one of the uh, Hoovers for targets this season in Buffalo so him and Cole Beasley. 
Um, he's, he's completed 63% of his passes this season uh, compared to 52% last season. That's uh, Josh Allen I'm talking about, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, but he's got two more. He's got more inceptions and touchdowns, obviously, which was a, a slight on him coming into into the season. Was of course his accuracy. Uh, Frank Gore again should have a, a really good game in this one. Um, projected to have another 1,000-yard season, even at the age of 36. What is dead may never die. And I suppose you could apply that to Frank Gore and Ryan Fitzpatrick in this one. Um, but, yeah, there we go. Uh, what have I got here? Dolphins got ma uh, managed four touchdowns all season, uh, which is a lot better than the historical worst season. Uh, Lawrence bestowed a bit of knowledge on me today. Uh, the 1934 Cincinnati Reds managed 10 points in N uh, eight games before folding uh, and becoming the St. Louis Gunners and scoring 27 more to end the season with a combined 37. Uh, Bills win should, um, should be quite a comfortable one here for the Bills. No, can't disagree. And talking about running backs that should have a big day, that leads me to Leonard Fournette. Oh, who lined that's up for the pro, pro segue, Sean, pro. Anyone would think we practice this, mate. <laughs> Leonard Fournette will lead the Jags, who are coming in with a 2-4 and four record against the so far winless Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Fournette on the season, having himself actually a very nice campaign, 584 yards, again, another guy averaging over five yards per carry. Uh, and although he struggled a little bit last week against the Saints' defence, I think the encouraging thing for me is they are still very much committed to the run game. And Fournette seems to be one of these backs that gets better with a good bulk of work. So despite struggling last week, still got the ball 20 times on the ground. He also caught six through the air. I think they're a good offence when they make him the focal point of it. Uh, he's obviously got the dream matchup here, hasn't he? The Bengals gave up 269 yards last week which is absolutely frightening um, when you consider that 152, as we just found out in the quiz of those, went to the quarterback. Uh, it's still over 115 on the ground to the actual running back, if you like. So it's a unit that ranks dead last in the NFL. Um, and to be fair, even against the pass, they're not exactly exciting there either. Giving up a quarterback rating of 105, that ranks them 27th in in the league so I would expect a little bit of Minshew magic to return this week and DJ Chark potentially um, also getting a bit of a bounce back game after being shut down by that Saints defence last week uh, in terms of the Jacksonville defence fair to say that Saxonville are probably on their way back here 19 sacks now on the season fourth best in the league and again unfortunately for the Bengals this just isn't a good matchup wherever you look because they've given up 22 sacks and only four teams are worse this has all the makings, on paper at least, of an absolute dream matchup for the Jags to bounce back and get back into the win column. Mm. I would predict that the Jags are going to take this one. Uh, I would predict probably by a couple of scores as well. Ooh, interesting. Be interesting to see what they, how they deal. Of their, obviously, notes coming out about um, the, the, the dressing room's fine. Obviously, with no Ramsey anymore, so uh, be interesting to see how that kind of plays out over the next few weeks. Certainly, uh, Minshew should be. Uh, should be back to his magic self this week against a poor, poor Bengals team. Sorry, Adam. Um, every week we uh, we call you a poor Bengals team, but there we go. Never mind. Uh, talking of poor teams, there's no poor teams in this one. Vikings at Lions. Um, be interesting to see if the Lions can bounce back. Shortly, um, a slightly short week, shall we say? Obviously, travelling to to Lambeau, home back at home, Ford Field uh, this week, but welcoming divisional rivals, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, top ten defense in terms of part against the pass and the rush as well. So Lions do have the the work cut out for them. Uh, I say I know you you like them as well, Sean. But this Vikings team is a really good team, very balanced on both sides of the ball, and they're both on the they're balanced on both sides of the offense as well in terms of pass and rush as well. Um, but, but talent on both sides and 
considering how much they've run the ball early on in the season uh, to, and also now uh, last couple of games has obviously been focused along the past they're, they're, they're one team that if any, if any team you want any team to play do play action they're the team that you want to play play action because of Dalvin Cook's um, you know electric electric feet on the ground and then obviously playmaking ability which was all there to see last week against the poor Eagles secondary uh, as well and the, the, the Lions secondary as well is, is there to be gotten at uh, not not great versus the pass, uh, but it's all about Matt Stafford and can he penetrate? What's a, a stingy Vikings defense? Should, should be interesting to see. There's a lot of lot of intricate storylines here in the in the melting pot. So yeah, it's, it's probably one uh, I might actually tune into this one as well. There's a couple of games actually that I'm quite interested in uh, to watch this 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 week. So it'd be interesting to see. Um, which one I plump for. There's a game coming up later as well that I'm quite uh, looking forward to as well. But yeah, Vikings at Lions, NFC East. Vikings, uh, Vikings again, it's a looking to, to keep pace uh, in the NFC, in NFC North with the Packers and the Lions, kind of trying to get back up after a stumble. And I say, it would be a heartbreaking defeat there uh, on Monday Night Football, just in the manner of it. And it'd be interesting. There might be a few more eyes watching uh, the Lions games now as well. They must, they must have uh, found a few, a few new fans, judging by what went on on Monday Night Football. But yeah, uh, expect a Vikings win just because they're. I think they're a class team. They're not. They're not going to say they've, they've they've hit the full the fifth gear yet, but um, certainly on their way to. And say with, with previous years, um, you know, faltering late deep in the playoffs. Um, hopefully they they might be able to go one better this year and kind of get what they deserve in terms of what talent they've got on that roster as well. But um, yeah, should be should be a good one. Uh, Sean, over to you. Yeah. Both of those teams looking for a win to keep pace with the Packers, who are going to be in the next game we're going to go through. That's the 3-2 and two Raiders travelling to Green Bay. Uh, this isn't a game that's played all that often, and in recent times, it's fair to say the Packers own this rivalry. They've, they've won the last seven that have been played, including the second-ever Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. yep. The last time that the Raiders beat the Packers was actually all the way back in 1987, so... Like I say, certainly recent dominances with the Packers on this one. Um, Aaron Rodgers spreading the ball around. He's at 14 different targets this season. Um, however, he's missing his favourite weapon in all likelihood again. Devontae Adams is out um, with the dreaded turf toe injury. Um, and as we talked about a few weeks ago, this Packers unit is looking better collectively because they are getting play from the defence uh, and they are getting good production out of the two free agents, Smiths that they got in the off-season, Preston and Zadarius, both going to the quarterback with regular uh, occurrences. Um, so, again, look for that defence to come to play. Uh, Raiders probably hated having their bye week this week. Um, they've obviously come off the back of a two-game winning streak, including that big one in London against the Bears. Uh, Derek Carr is what he is. He's serviceable, not necessarily spectacular. Um, but he has completed 73.3% of his passes, so he certainly is accurate with the ball um, and he's getting the offence moving. Um, Josh Jacobs really had his breakout game in London. be interesting to see how that goes. And a player who's been rewarded this week for his good play with the Raiders is Darren Waller. Um, he's been re-signed through 2023. Very promising tight end, could potentially turn into one of the best at the position. He signed up through um, 2023, as I said, average of £9 million a year, which in a couple of years' time may look a very sensible move indeed. Um, Raiders have reached out as well for a little bit of wide receiver help. They brought in Zay Jones from the Bills. Um, obviously didn't do a lot there, but they'll be hoping to get something reignited with him. Um, I think this probably won't be the most explosive of games offensively. I think the the defences will probably be the dominant units. I would suggest that the Packers will probably squeeze this one out. 
and um, that'll move them to six and one in the division. So that Vikings Lions game you just mentioned there probably takes on even more importance to him. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and um, yeah, another another divisional game here on the slate: Texans at Colts. Uh, crucial AFC South divisional game. This one uh, will go a long way into deciding who these div- division winner. But let's not forget these two teams last year. Were, I think one and five, didn't they? Uh, before both uh, before both going on on massive runs. Uh, and then the Indianapolis Andrew the Andrew Luck led Indianapolis. God, that seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, smashing the Houston Texans in the division in the wild card round of the playoffs. Uh, but generally, uh, Indianapolis Colts. Uh, kind of have the number of the Houston Texans in in previous years winning four and then he lost uh, coming in overtime uh, back in at last in the first game of last year. Um, yeah, Colts coming off the bye, Texans coming off beating the Kansas City Chiefs, so he's um, not quite not quite sure which one's the best uh, best one to be coming off. But uh, obviously a big part of that, Deshaun Watson's not been sacked in the last two games, uh, and like I, said, I mentioned on Monday's podcast and on the uh, I think I mentioned it on Look Ahead's or the Takeaway. Um, you know, is that a case of it, was it the opponents they? Faced obviously the the uh, Falcons uh, and the other team now currently escapes me, but um, yeah, was it a case of the the line getting better for the offensive line for the Houston Texans? Uh, Titus Howard was was a bit dinged up last week as well, so a couple of niggles on there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins I noticed as well last week against the uh, Chiefs got used quite a lot, a bit nearer line uh, the line of scrimmage. Uh, Fuller should have had three touchdowns for over 100 yards on the drops that he had, so Watson could have had actually a, a, a mental game uh, in Arrowhead. But like I did mention as well, Watson showed his maturity, showed his grit and focus uh, when down in that hole uh, in Harrowhead. You know, lots of other, you know, probably 99% of other quarterbacks would have just um, shied away and turtled up. Um, but yeah, not this, not this Deshaun Watson uh, and this Texans team. Um, for you know, they're covering the holes quite a lot in terms of what's what's lacking on that team. Uh, this is going to be a fascinating matchup as they travel to uh, to Lucas Oil, like I say, divisional game, uh, and say this the winner of this one will have not only the head-to-head, but we'll have we'll still. March uh, on the division. Yeah, looking forward to that one in the early window. And another early window game for you here. The Rams at 3-3. Three and three. Quite unbelievable to say that with Sean McVay at the helm, but they are only at 500. Dream matchup this week, though. Over to the Falcons, sitting at 1-5. and five. And Lawrence, my friend, I know you're not feeling very well, but no way on earth can you ever advocate bringing Blake Balls off the bench. Jared Goff may well be having a stinker. He may well only have an 80.8 passer rating on the season and rank 27th, but he may have only got 78 yards last year, uh, last week. But surely to God, Blake Balls is not the answer. Maybe that was um, maybe that was a sign uh, of uh, Lawrence starting to deteriorate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That and the Lamar Jackson man crush, but we'll get onto that in a minute. Um, absolute dream matchup here, though, as I say, he gets the Falcons' defense that's surrendering the third worst quarterback rating in the league. Um, averaging 8.3 yards per pass attempt against them. They're also ranked dead last in third down, allowed 56% of the time. If you get a third down against the Falcons, you are converting. So this defence does not get off the field. And it's a real shame because Matt Ryan is certainly not the issue. Had yet another good game last week. Uh, Didn't throw any interceptions, threw for a ton of yards and plenty of touchdowns, but ultimately came up short yet again. Interesting to see how that Rams secondary goes this week, as you alluded to earlier. Um, Akeem Tlaib hit IR, as well as the trades that we mentioned. So it's Matt Ryan who gets the Jalen Ramsey debut to go against. I'd imagine Jalen Ramsey will be keen to prove a point, and that will obviously be a bit of a marquee matchup because you would assume that he will probably travel with Julio Jones. That'll be wait and see. Um, but certainly Ramsey will be looking to make a splash in his first game. Um this Rams defence has been pretty middle of the road, so they'll obviously be looking for Ramsey to make a big impact. 
they've obviously now got impact players, you know, not only up front with Aaron Donald, but certainly now on the back end. I think this is a massive bounce-back game for Jared Goff. I think he's a bit of a sleeper for any of you that play daily fantasy or anything like that to start as your quarterback this week. Because, like I say, I can just see him throwing for an absolute ton of yards. Uh, again, for me, I think the, I think the Rams win this one and win quite handsomely. Mm, I think similar point, uh, similar similar comments apply to the 49ers who are five and zero currently traveling and then currently traveling to the Washington Redskins one and five. Uh, again, yeah, this one shouldn't be close, and I hate to say it, 49ers probably going six and zero here. Um, but I w- what, I w- <laughs> what I will say is, if the 49ers don't make the playoffs from six and zero, my victory lap is going to be a victory marathon, to be quite honest. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed, Fing- cross all your fingers, cross all your toes. But there we go. Um, yeah, again, 49ers defense should feast in this one uh, against the Washington Redskins team that, let's face it, is not very good at all. Trent, um, Trent Williams or no Trent Williams. Uh, Redskins will probably try and continue to feed the ball to Adrian Peterson. It's an interesting story, that one, actually. I wonder if there's any substance behind the scenes with uh, Jay Gruden and, and Adrian Peterson, but um, sure, it will remain to be seen. Certainly not going to have the same success as he did against the Dolphins, obviously 100 yards last week. Case, Ken- Case Keenum will continue to be uh, serviceable at quarterback and do his best to try and stay upright for the remainder of the season. Terry McLaurin uh, continuing to have a, himself a fine season. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver at the moment in fantasy football. Uh, another 100-yard game and a couple of touchdowns last week against the uh, hapless Dolphins. Uh, but going up against the 49ers secondary uh, and, the, and Richard Sherman and all the rest of it. So that should be a good matchup as well. See how he how he goes up against one of the veterans of the game. But um, yeah, San Francisco going to do what they continue to do. Hide, hide Jimmy Garoppolo, use their run game, Kyle Shanahan's brain to to get yards from the running backs. Uh, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, all the rest of them. You stick anyone else behind there. Even I, even me behind there will get yards uh, behind that offensive line with uh, Kyle Shanahan. But yeah, it should be a double-digit lead early on here for the 49ers. Um yeah, it, and yeah, this this one shouldn't be close. But uh, he's a West Coast team going over to the East Side, um, so who knows? Funny things that have happened. They certainly have. And just to round off your early window, I seem to have drawn all the games this week that don't seem to field defenses, which is great if you're looking for plenty of touchdowns. So I've got to finish us off the Cardinals with that horrible-looking two-three and one record going across to New York to play the Giants. Uh, Colin Murray probably had his best game last week. Again, obviously, bearing in mind it was against that Falcons D I've just talked about. But certainly an impressive 128 quarterback rating, over 300 yards through the air with three touchdowns. And for me, I mentioned this on Monday, he's helped by a more balanced approach in terms of getting some carries to David Johnson and the rest of the running backs there. 29 times the ball was carried against those 37 pass attempts that Murray threw. And, And that, for me, is the recipe for success here. For the Cardinals, they can't afford to have people blitzing Murray on every single passing play um, because obviously he has got some elusive. He's heightened all the rest of it that goes with him. Obviously, he's a big negative when it comes to being able to sort of see the whole field and get the ball out quickly. Uh, the Giants, again, another terrible defence, giving up 285 passing yards on average a game. That's 31st in the NFL. And again, Cardinals defence is pretty much just as bad, let's be honest. Mm. Um, for the Giants, for me, it's a case of watch the injury report. Potentially some really positive news so far this week. Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, both full participants in practice today. That is trending in the right direction and would be absolutely huge for them. Sterling Shepard was also limited today, which is actually an improvement on where he was to start the week. This has got the potential to be a really entertaining game if available. 
and I can probably steal the words from Adam's mouth here. Take the over on the points. It's only 50 and a half. I reckon you could be looking again at another 70 points in this one. Um, I think potentially another shootout for the Cardinals again this week. And as they're at home, and I think that Saquon will be back, I'm going to take the Giants to win this one in a high scoring one to round out your early slate of games. Mm, just a, a quick word on that one as well. Is um, Patrick Peterson's back for the Cardinals. So yeah, it'd be interesting well, to see. It's interesting to see what he does. He does for the uh, for that defense. Obviously, not a lot because one person can't make a defense. But certainly, uh, having someone of Patrick Peterson's quality there is um, is not going to be too bad at all. Uh, let's move in to the late slate then. Uh, talking of good defenses, you've got two in the first game of the late slate. Yeah, totally different thing to talk about. We've just talked about all these offensive explosions, and here we have two defenses that certainly are at the moment at least the best units on their respective teams. That's the 5-1 and one Saints travelling across to the 3-2 and two Bears. Um, another one here with a historic series that's tied at 15 wins apiece, but the Saints have owned it in recent years, winning the last four. Um, these two played in the NFC Championship game back in 2007. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, he's the impressive four-and-hour record since replacing Drew Brees, where all Saints fans gasped and thought that could be the season gone. Teddy's done a sterling job, including last week's win against the Jaguars. Um, and for the Saints, if you haven't got the surname of Thomas or Kamara, then you may as well ask for divine intervention to get fed the ball. You can probably tell listeners that Lawrence ripped that line for me. Um, <laughs> but he's absolutely right to say that Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara are the Saints' offence. They, they certainly do get the, the bulk of the targets and the carries, as you would expect. Um, Taysom Hill has probably been the person to benefit the least from the Drew Brees injury. Everyone expected his role in the offence would go up. It's actually come down and I think it's smart on behalf of Sean Payton to actually protect him because if anything does obviously happen to Teddy, Taysom Hill would go in. Um, but it'd be interesting to see if there are any trick plays this week because as we've alluded to, that Bears defence is where they are strong um, and they've obviously got a bounce back here. They lost the London game to the Raiders which was a significant surprise, I would suggest. Um, I think most people would have had the Bears down to win that one comfortably, um, but obviously they didn't. Uh, the bye week has allowed Mitch Trubisky to get healthy. Don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, Chicago fans. We will <laughs> wait and see. Um, Chase Daniel has had a higher completion rate and has thrown for more yards a game. So, obviously, Trubisky is possibly the future. I say possibly. He's certainly got more of a chance of being that than Chase Daniel. Um, so, obviously, I, I would agree with the move, but obviously Trubisky needs to improve massively from where he's been. Uh, David Montgomery, they're trying to feed him the ball, but he's averaging still under 50 yards a game and he's only got a couple of scores and that's a bit of a surprise because there was a lot of hype on him in the pre-season. Um, but I think, like I say, this one for me, defences will come out on top. I expect it to be another tight battle. Uh, I'm really glad that it hasn't actually been chosen for the late window on Sky. I thought it might have been. Um, but that's going to be Raven Seahawks, which I'll talk about shortly. If you like defensive football, though, this is probably the game of the week for you. I can see probably being a field goal type game. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There's a couple, a couple of interesting ones. So, yeah, if you want a defensive battle, uh, certainly this this the, the Saints-Bears game is going to feature on my betting, betting podcast in a couple of days. One that isn't going to feature on it is the Chargers and the Titans. Um, make my, no bones about it and, and, and go with me on this one. This is actually a potentially wild, uh, ma massive game here for wildcard aspirations. Both teams are two and four. You have to think the loser of this one might as well pack up the bags and go and back to the drawing board uh, for 2020. Uh, it's all about, for me, it's all about whether 
the Chargers and Anthony Lynn can get Melvin Gordon going. Only 32 rushing yards, obviously, last week between him and Austin Eckler. One bit of good news, which is unusual for the, for the Chargers getting good news. Russell Lacoon uh, has been training or is, is, is looking at coming back maybe as early as this week. So that, that obviously helps the offensive line there a little bit, uh, which has recently seen uh, Pouncey go to, I think he's on IR now, actually. Um, so, yeah, not, not really had much too much to shout about if you're Chargers fans. Uh, certainly, Lee, I know you are, you are very frustrated. Um, another thing, obviously, Sunday Night Football, uh, Philip Rivers kind of put him in a hole, and then before they knew it, they were down and, and out of the game early on at home. Uh, I say that in with air quotes. But yeah, this is a good Titans defence. Um, maybe not a quite a good offence, obviously, shut out against Denver last week. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Arthur Smith, I think, is in, in, in a bit of trouble, bit of a bit of a hot seat situation there uh, under a bit of pressure. That offence is so vanilla. Um, I, I can't even make a pun of, of that one because I haven't I didn't prep it, but there we go. Um, but like I say, earlier in the... In, earlier in the in the podcast, the Hawaiian Mark Sanchez, uh, Marcus Mariota has been on uh, put on the bench for this one in favour of uh, Mike Tanne- uh, Mike Tannehill, bloody hell, Ryan Tannehill having a, having an absolute mare. This is uh, not not good for the game, but there we go. Um, Charges at Titans, yeah, should be should be uh, loser goes home, winner lives to fight another day. Um, not quite sure. It's going to be a low low total points score here. Uh, I think just because both offences are struggling, stuttering, uh, I'm not quite sure where the points are coming from. Chargers have the better team uh, on offence and probably have the better stars on defence as well. But um, Titans are a good team and you have to play well to, to beat them. So it'll be interesting to see who can come out on top here. Hopefully, hopefully for Lee's sake, uh, it can be the Chargers. And talking to quarterbacks, that leads me on to the Ravens at the Seahawks. And it's taken me six weeks, but I'm finally going to agree. We're going to get to see a brilliant quarterback on the field here in a Ravens game. <laughs> Unfortunately, Baltimore, it's not your quarterback. Oh, that's a it is, of course, It is, of course, Seattle's Russell Wilson, who leads the league with 124.7 passer rating, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. And he's not just dinking and dunking. Nine yards per attempt, good for second in the league. Completing 72.5% of those passes as well, also good for second in the league. So, you know, if there is one good quarterback on show here, it'll be the man wearing blue or green, whatever uniform the Seahawks dress in this week. Uh, Lamar Jackson, all joking aside, he has obviously anchored the Ravens to a 4-2 record by hook or by crook. Um, and 460 yards and two touchdowns rushing on the season would be very acceptable for many a running back, but he's doing that from the quarterback position as well as the production he's producing through the air. Um, That ground contribution is adding to the number one ranked offence when it comes to rushing the ball, and that potentially is the key to beating this Seattle team. Nick Chubb had a big game last week for the Browns, and Seattle are in the bottom half of the league when it comes to defending the run, so certainly... The Ravens will continue to look to use their own blueprint to get the job done here. Um, Seattle, absolutely vital game this one to keep pace with the 49ers. As Tim's alluded to, you're expecting the Niners to take care of business against the Redskins. So that would put them to 6-0. and So Seattle need to keep pace for the Ravens with the Browns on the bye. Big chance for them to open up that three-game lead in the AFC North, which is important because the Browns, for as bad as they've been, did beat the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. So own a big tiebreaker there. Um, so this is a really, really significant matchup for both sides this early in the season. Mm. This is the one that is in the skylight window, so most of you will get the opportunity to watch this. Um, so potentially a really good game. I actually think it'll probably be slightly lower scoring than a lot of people would suggest. I'm going to go for the Seahawks to pinch this one by a single point. I'm going 21-20 to the Seahawks in this one. 
interesting stuff. And then say blockbuster on Sunday night football. My Cowboys, oh my God, could be lambs to the slaughter here. Uh, take on at home to the Eagles. 120 times these two teams have played, including playoffs. Cowboys currently lead 68 to 52. Cowboys have had a good uh, good stretch of it recent, more recent years. Obviously, last win, uh, I think we did the double over the boys uh, over the Eagles last season uh, on on route to the division title. Um, in, the, in the last eight or nine years or so, Cowboys have a, a 10 and 8 winning record. Um, but this one is all about, for me, all about the, the Cowboys' offensive line versus the Eagles' D-line. Um, generally the two strengths of the two teams. But um, yeah, Cowboys' O-line, a bit banged up. Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins have practiced a little bit this this week so far, despite Jason Garrett being a liar, coming out and saying that uh, all those with niggles are not going to be practicing this week. Mari um, Cooper... It seems to be doubtful to play. He's not logged any practices so far this week. Be interesting to see if he can log a practice on Friday. Um, but if the Cowboys offensive line can hold up, this Eagles secondary, as we saw last week against the Minnesota Vikings, is there for the taking. Uh, Sidney Jones et al. Uh, not not great uh, whatsoever. I know one of my Eagles f- uh, friends was uh, very disappointed that Jalen Ramsey didn't uh, make his way over to Lincoln Financial Field. But, you know, Goes without saying, big NFC East divisional game again, similar to a game I previewed earlier. Big, big uh, in AFC South, huge bearing on the final position here in the NFC East. Cowboys, of course, lost last three in a bit of a rut. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see kind of how aggressive they are. And you know, last week were a lot more predictable in terms of first down plays, running the ball a lot more. Um, apparently, Jason Garrett would be uh, well. <laughs> There's, there's no rumours of Jason Garrett being uh, fired anytime soon, but uh, according to Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett would be well sought after, in air quotes, uh, should he be relieved of his duties. Uh, I don't know if that's coinciding with a recent rec- uh, recruitment drive at the Royal Mail um, in, just for the Christmas <laughs> rush, but, but we shall we shall see. Um, yeah, big big game this one, goes without saying. So if, uh, if the, Dal- the Dallas Cowboys O-line can hold up, then Dak Prescott, uh, Michael Gallup, and Amari Cooper, obviously, if he plays, should have a decent game. Um, and for once the Cowboys are actually a bit more beaten up than the Philadelphia Eagles it's usually the Eagles that have the more beaten up team um, they've been struggling this year so far but Carson Wentz has stayed upright so far and um, obviously he'll be looking to continue that um, Eagles have had a bit of an up and down season but it should be a, should be a cracker for those staying up uh, for Sunday Night Football with Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth and a cup of tea and the final game of the week, Monday Night Football. Talk about a rivalry that isn't not a rivalry. The New England <laughs> Patriots, who absolutely own the New York Jets. The Jets haven't won a game against the Patriots at home since 2015. And even then, they required overtime. The Patriots will be heavy favourites to improve to 7-0, despite Sam Darnold returning, thankfully, from Mono. Fingers crossed that he stays healthy. He obviously needs to stay away. With his tongue, we will say no more than that. Um, <laughs> but he he last week looked like um, he did in week one, let's be honest. He threw the ball around a fair bit. Jameson Crowder's target rate went sky high. Uh, and as we alluded to earlier, that big 92-yard bomb made uh, his stat line look impressive come the end of the day. He is, however, against this Patriots defence that he's on absolute historic pace, um, you know, Picking off quarterbacks with regularity, sacking quarterbacks with regularity, they always seem to fall on a fumble. And despite the offensive issues that we've we've talked about, um, surprisingly, one stat that uh, that's come out here is in terms of the Patriots' tight ends combined, nine for 169 and one touchdown on the season. If you think about how big a part of the offense Rob Gronkowski has been down the years for New England, 
no one's ever going to replace Gronk, but ultimately you would expect far better production mm. than what they have seen. And maybe that's why Ben Watson has returned. Maybe he'll do a little bit more than everyone expects. He certainly can't do any worse than nine for one, six, nine through six games. Let's put it that way. That sounds um, like a one game, a one game stat line from Gronk, doesn't it? It certainly does, mate. It certainly <laughs> does. And like I say, when, when you think about, like I say, how consistent that production has been for that sort of 10-year period to sort of go from that level of production to what they're getting currently, it's not really a surprise that they're struggling offensively. Still going to have more than enough here, I would suggest. Um, the Jets obviously got a big surprise win last week. I can't see them getting two in a row. So the Patriots more than likely going to move to 7-0. and and realistically speaking, when is that first loss going to come? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I know. Uh, I know. Lawrence had a look at on the full ten look ahead about uh, the sixty potential sixteen and zero season there for the Patriots. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's looking more more and more likely by um, yeah, as each week progresses. But um, yeah, that concludes the week seven look ahead. So going to turn it over and down, Sean, uh, and we're going to go one bold prediction before we get out of here. One bold prediction for the weekend. We'll let you go first. Okay, my bold prediction. I've mentioned a couple of these guys during the rundown of the slate of games. And I'm going for a couple of runners, both to break the 200-yard barrier this weekend. I'm going for Leonard Fournette to get 200 yards on the ground against the Bengals. And I'm going for Saquon Barkley, fresh off an injury, to also go for 200 yards at home against the Cardinals. So two 200-yard rushes for me. Is my prediction for this week. Okay, I'm going to round off. I'm going to be a bit controversial, and I'm going to say that the Denver Broncos that beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I just think um, Mahomes, um, when when his uh, ankle got a bit antagonised on Sunday, didn't just didn't have the same zest. It didn't have the same. Uh, I'm not going to say enthusiasm. Probably the wrong word, but just didn't didn't have the same thing about him. Same aura uh, once that that ankle that, that got niggled. So uh, yeah, on a short week travelling to Denver. Um, you know, and I'm not saying Denver are, are well beaters, but you know, recently shutting out Tennessee, going to be a bit buoyed by that. No, Sammy Watkins. Um, yeah, I, I just got a funny feeling Broncos could uh, could put up a, put the thrillers uh, up the, the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit, and they potentially could blow that AFC West wide open. So that's what I'm going for. Yeah, it'll be interesting, Matt. I think it's going to be a tighter game than a lot of people expect. And I, as I said earlier, I don't think the book has got it quite right with Chiefs minus three, but mm. I certainly don't think it's going to be a blowout. So you could be onto something there. Mm. Just a shout out for Lawrence, because he did provide us with his bold prediction for the week ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, get well soon, mate. Yeah. He's going with the Bears to win this weekend against the Saints, but to do so without scoring an offensive touchdown. Ooh, it's, it's certainly a candidate, isn't it? Certainly can. Uh, well, we just mentioned Mitch Trubisky. Um, he obviously needs to improve. Uh, David Montgomery, like I say, not really producing to the level that you would expect. So, like you say, the all the building blocks are there for that to potentially come to fruition. Um, question will be, you know, can they keep that Saints offense? quiet enough um, if they shut down those two big weapons that we talked about earlier. Mm. Yeah, of course, only just the one touchdown from Jared Cook last week against the Jags. Uh, similar decent defence. And then, uh, of course, the Saints um, didn't score a touchdown when beating the Cowboys. So, yeah, roles could re- potentially be reversed there um, with the Bears. But we shall wait and see. But that is going to wrap us up for the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. Don't forget, you can get in contact with us at 14 Yards on Twitter, on Instagram and Facebook as well. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back. I'll be back in a couple of days with Adam and we give you all our best bets for week seven. Uh, thank you to all those that go on the website, read our articles and obviously you guys that are listening right now. Really appreciate you, um, you know, letting us between your ears and in, in your eyes as well. But... Until Saturday, it's a goodbye from Sean. Cheers, Paul. Thanks a lot, mate. Enjoyed it. 
as goodbye from me. In the, oh, uh, uh, shout out actually as well, uh, Kev Cadle, uh, two years since uh, the big man passed away. So in the great and late words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com